Well, how's it going, guys? What's up? My name is Jared, Jared Blaukamp. I'm super excited to be here tonight. Welcome to everybody who's watching online. We're so excited that you're here. I believe that tonight is not just a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that you showed up here in person. It's not a coincidence that you're tuning in online. I believe and I carry faith that God is going to download something in all of our hearts that's going to help us walk more fully in our relationship with him. I just, man, as I'm sitting here kind of preparing for a message, as I'm worshiping, I just remember this prayer that Paul prays. And he's kind of correcting something that he wrote to the Philippians. He's about to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But before that, in one chapter earlier, he says to the Philippians, I don't count myself as to have taken hold of it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't count myself as having arrived. Like, I've received everything that there was for God to get to me in my, in my Christian life. He said, no, I'm not there. I haven't reached that mark yet. He said, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I press on toward the mark to which God has called me heavenward in Christ. Man, I just sense this kind of hunger in the room today. And the hunger for these people who are watching online that, man, I'm done. Like, I don't care how much I've experienced with the Lord. I know I can go deeper. I know that there's more for me. I know there's more breakthrough to be experienced in my life. I know I can get to know him better in my word. And I want to press on toward that mark the rest of my days. Is there anybody in the room like that here? Come on. Come on. That's so good. That's so good. And that's, that's the call I think that Jesus is really giving to us. At this time, as a Res Life Church family, everybody who's watching online, Jesus is calling to us and he's saying, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted, but press on towards me. Because there's always more that you can, there's always more for us to grow together. There's always more of me to be experienced. There's always another step of faith that you can take. And I just feel like tonight that like, a comfortable like complacency or like even just like coasting out the rest of our, that's just going to be broken tonight. I have a feeling and that man, the Lord is just going to lead us into a deeper encounter with him. And I am super, super excited about it. So let's pray and then we'll jump right into it. So Lord, I love you. I praise your name, God. There is no one like you, Jesus. No one God, I mean that with my whole heart. Father, that's not just a nice phrase that we say that there's no one like you, God. I have never met anybody like you. There's no other God like you. There's no other master like you. There's no other Lord like you. No other king like you, Jesus. None in the entire earth. There's no other king that is fully responsible with the entire earth and making sure the entire universe runs together, but yet so ridiculously concerned with the individual life of his subjects. There's no, there's no king like that. There's no God who left heaven to come down to earth to redeem a people who didn't even want to be redeemed. There's no God like that. Jesus Tonight is all about you. God, it's, it's not about me preaching, God. It's not about a good sermon. That's not about any words, God. It's not about us hearing or receiving. It's not about a check box, Lord, a, a box that we check, Father God. This night is about you, Jesus. And I pray that you would be glorified through my words, Jesus, that you would be lifted up, God, and that we would be able to follow you more fully. Jesus, I love you. There's no one like you, God. 
And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Tonight, we are continuing the second part of a two-part series that my dad started last week. And it's on the parable of the sower. And we talked about the parable of the sower specifically in Mark 4. We talked about how Jesus gives this parable to the people of Israel at that time. And like any good teacher, he uses an analogy that the people would relate to. A lot of times in ancient Israel, the, a lot of the people were employed largely by farming. And so he uses a farming analogy in order to explain the kingdom of God, in order to explain a deeper truth about the kingdom of God that might have gone over these people's heads otherwise. And he uses this analogy that a sower went out to sow in a field, and he scatters the seed liberally. He's not, he's not careful with it. He just scatters it liberally. And some of it falls on the path. And, he, and then Jesus says that the birds come and they snatch up, they eat up that seed, and it doesn't produce any fruit. Some of it falls on stony ground, and it grows initially, has some growth, but then because it lacks a depth of soil, it gets burnt up in the sun. And then there's the ground that's sown among the thorns, and it grows, it experiences a lot of growth, but it gets choked out by the thorns that are surrounding it, and then produces no fruit. But there is a good soil, and the good soil, when the seed is set on it, it produces fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And my dad talked about that, read that whole parable, and then he specifically zeroed in on the seed that's sown on the path and the seed that's sown on the stones. And he, we kind of looked at the path as kind of being a hardness, a hardness in heart. And one thing that in the, in the parable of the sower that Jesus even lays out um, later in Mark 4 is that the sower, the sower in this analogy, Jesus explains that the sower is the Holy Spirit. The sower is, is Jesus, and he sows the, wor- the seed, which is the word of God. But then he goes on to say that the soil, the four different types of soil, were four different conditions of the human heart. And the level of growth in the plant did not depend on the type of seed. It was the same seed sown. It did not depend on the sower. It was the same sower who sowed but it depended on the type of the soil. And that was the only thing that made a difference between the growth in these four different examples. And if the soil represents the human heart, we talked about how a hardness of heart can cause even the best truth, the most groundbreaking revelation to just hit your heart and kind of fall off. He talked about how, man, that hardness of heart can, can result from like unforgiveness, can result from hidden sin, can result from a number of other things. And the way I kind of like to describe a hardness of heart is kind of like a callus. And if the thing about a callus is I, I worked at a golf course for four years, and uh, it was a fun time. But when you're raking and you're raking sand traps, it's like, those are like the sand bunkers that you see on golf courses. If you, when you rake those, you got to wear gloves. Otherwise, it's, it's, not the, it's not that you rub your hand up and down the rake, you know. That's not what you do when you rake. But the little shift, 
It's a little shift back and forth of this rake in your hand that causes a callus on your hand. And, or sometimes I have calluses on my feet, right? But it's, I don't notice that my, shoe, that my feet are rubbing up against the soles of my shoe very often, but they do. And it's these unnoticeable little shifts back and forth that eventually cause the skin to harden itself and protect itself. And so also with our heart, it's these little, little bitty compromises that we don't really think are a big deal. And if we make these little compromises here and a little compromise there, it's like we're rubbing our hands together. It's like we're rubbing our hand on that rake or our feet are rubbing against the sole of our shoe. And it might not make a huge difference right now or even in two weeks or even in two months, but a year from now, you'll notice that that rubbing has actually caused a callus in our heart. It's caused a hardness of heart. And when the seed is sown on that heart, it bounces off and the enemy comes and steals it away. He says, see, that wasn't for you or that doesn't apply to you. You're good, that kind of thing. So that's the hardness of heart. And then we also talked about the stony soil, how it grew up really quick, but then it withered away because of persecution or opposition. And my dad gave an awesome story about this little circle in our if you remember this, I was laughing. I, watched, I was watching online when my dad was explaining this. I was laughing the whole time. But this little spot in our lawn, like, my dad was so frustrated. He's like, what the heck is going on? Why can't that little spot just grow, you know? Just this little brown spot. And uh, so he took a shovel out there, dug, and about two inches below the surface, there was this huge, huge rock underneath it. And then once he removed the rock, filled it back in with soil and sowed new seed, the grass grew, and then it never withered away again. It, it remained as green as all the rest, right? And so also, just like that stone beneath the surface, there are some other little things hidden in our heart. We're growing with God. We're not completely rejecting the word. We're accepting it, but for some reason, we get to this point in our relationship with God. We get to this point, and it seems like we can never get past this point. Seems like we're just kind of stuck in this cycle. Like I come to church, I hear it, and it's good for like a few days, but then all of a sudden I just get to this point and I, I can't seem to get breakthrough. And that might be it's a stone. There might be a stone that's in our hearts that's preventing us from gr growing further. The growth does get scorched by the sun, or when persecution, opposition comes, it withers away. And how do we know? How do we know what those stones are? How do we know? We ask the Holy Spirit, we ask different people around us, different maybe pastors around us, and we say, hey, do you notice anything in my life that's, can, that's stopping this? Or I, we explain that situation, and the Holy Spirit will reveal some of these things. Sometimes it could be like an, a little seed of unforgiveness or bitterness. Sometimes it could be this uh, wrong lie that we've accepted as truth over our life, and that is kind of preventing us from going to the next level. And so that, was the, that, so that was the wayside or the path, and then also the stony soil. And that's what, largely what we covered. And I loved what my dad said at the end of his whole message last week, where no matter what type of soil, like we're not, I'm not here, we're not standing up here communicating these different types of soil, saying, man, if you're a path, see you later. If you're a stony, get out of here. If you're, you know, if you got thorns in your life, like, Sorry, that's it for you. We only want the good soil. No, because no matter which type of soil you find yourself in right now, it doesn't mean you have to stay there. 
Jesus says in John 3, he says, I didn't come into this world to condemn the world. I came into this world that they may be saved through me, right? And so when we get honest with ourselves and we, when we get honest with others about where we're at and we humble ourselves, God says in his word that when we humble ourselves, he gives us grace. He gives us the ability to do what we can't do on our own. And so there's no condemnation if we find ourselves in this hardness of heart, if we find ourselves in stony soil, if we find ourselves in thorns. There's no condemnation. It's just, okay, we're here. Now let's take the next step and and going towards and moving towards that good soil. So with the rest of my time here today, I get the amazing privilege of talking about the last two types of soil. So the last two types of soil are the this are the seeds sown among the thorns and then the good soil. And so I am just going to re I'm going to reread the parable of the sower just so we can jog our memory again. I'll just hear it right from the word of God. The word of God has the power to change our life. So I'm going to read it. So this is Mark 4 verse 1 through 9. And again he, Jesus, began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on the good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him here. So we're zeroing in on the last two types of soil. So specifically talking about the thorns, we see that the seed sown among the thorns was choked up. It was choked up. And I think as we look at this, one, one helpful thing to notice is that there actually was growth that started from this plant. The seed that was sown among the thorns, it actually started to grow. There was nothing in the soil that was hindering it. It was growing. It started out on a right path. But something else was also allowed to grow in that same soil. And it was this something else, these thorns that choked out the original plant and the plant died. The thorns grew and even outgrew the plant that started to grow And it was beginning to suck up or pull the nutrients from the original seed that was sown. And it withered away as a result. However, the seed that was sown on the good soil was the only one that bore fruit. And it produced 30, 60, and 100 fold what was sown. I would imagine, so we just read there, Jesus was telling this parable to a multitude of people. And I can just like imagine, sometimes I like to put myself in like the story, the stories of the Bible and just kind of like sit there and like imagine what it would have been like. 
Imagine like Jesus' you know, best friends. He's been walking with them for, for a good, good chunk of time at this point, probably a year or so. And so his disciples are walking with Jesus. And then Jesus gathers this whole multitude, as was pretty common to Jesus. And his disciples are like, hey, boys, he's going at it again. All right, let's go, right? They got like their little papers, whatever. They're taking notes or whatever they're doing, right? They're sitting down and Jesus tells this entire parable. He's like, a sower went out to sow and he goes all, and some sowed 30, 60 and a hundredfold. And he like, he's done. And the disciples are looking at each other like, Did you, did you understand? They're talking amongst themselves like, dude, you ask him. No, 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 you ask him. No, 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 you ask him. Bro, I asked last time and I looked like a fool. You got to ask him this time, right? I want Jesus to think I have it all together. And then they're probably like, John, John, yeah, you, you're the youngest. You go ask him, you know, just like sending him out, right? All these disciples wanting to keep, keep their reputation, right? But thank you, thank you to the disciples that one of them asked because we would have been like those same disciples, really confused if the disciples hadn't asked this question, right? But thankfully, his disciples were humble enough to ask Jesus this question. They pulled him aside after he was done teaching. They asked him, Jesus, like, great, great job, good, good speech, that was awesome. Uh, what does it all mean? <laughs> like, could you help me out here? We see Jesus explain this parable, the parable of the sower, in specifically talking about the thorns and the good soil, Later in Mark 4, and this is Mark 4, verse 18 through 20. And this is what it says. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. What I want to zero in here is that both the seed sown among the thorns and the seed sowed on the good soil, they both heard the word. Both of them. It says, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And then later it says, but these are the ones sown on the good ground. Those who hear the word. They both heard the word. And I think that's why we see a little bit of growth happen. Even in the seed that's sown among the thorns. It's because they actually heard the word. They actually heard it. Right? The Bible says, Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There was a little bit of faith that started to grow, right? Inside of this person's heart. But it wasn't just the hearing the word that made all the difference between these two soils. It was what happened after they heard the word. It says, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And so we see three things that come against the word of God that's sown among the thorns. And these three things are the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. 
And just like a thorn grows alongside like a natural plant that we see, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, they steal the nutrients from God's word in our life. And it diverts our attention from the thing that God has called us to. It diverts our attention from the word of God and causes the word of God in our life to be choked out and stopped up. It's like we hear the word of God, right? We hear the word of God, but then we run it through a filter of the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things. Now, I'm speaking kind of generally here, but what does this kind of look like, or how is this kind of played out? This, unfortunately, I think there's been times in my life where my heart has been a ground that's among thorns. And I'll hear, like, the word of God to me. I'll hear the word of God to me. Maybe saying like, hey, Jared, I need you to go talk to this person. Or, hey, you need to call this person. Or, Jared, would you go and do such and such? Or any number of things. And all of a sudden, the three things that come into my mind are, man, I'm not going to have enough time. Oh, wait, but if I do that, I'm going to be late. Or, I don't have enough money for that. I have to save and do all these things. And those three things enter in, and they dissuade me from pursuing the thing that I've called you to. This one specific example of this in my life is I was in Orlando in 2019. Me and my buddies were out there for a conference and I was driving along the road and I was supposed to go back to, I felt like the Lord called me to go back to our hotel for something. And so on my way to go to this hotel, I saw an individual that was wheeling in a wheelchair on the side of the road and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Jared, I want you to pray for that person that they would stand up out of their wheelchair. But one of the first things that came into my mind was, but if you stop for that, then you won't be able to go to the hotel. And then you're not going to have enough time to get back for the session that you paid, you know, $75 in order to be at. You know? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'll drive by. And I, I, I went by and I drove by. And I think, I don't think that was right. I think God probably was calling me to do that. And to pray for that person. And who knows what would have happened if I would have taken that step of faith, right? Nobody knows. But thank the Lord that he provides second, third, fourth opportunities, right? And if you're sitting in a spot and you're saying, yo, I think I have let some of the words of God in my life be choked out. There's still hope for you. There's still hope. And where I come oftentimes is, Lord, I really messed that one up. Uh, Lord, I really missed your voice. Would you please forgive me? And would you give me another opportunity? And if you're a father and you hear your son say that to you, how elated are you to give him another opportunity, right? And that's the father's heart for us, even if we have had thorns that have grown up in our hearts and choked out some of the words in the past. The good soil. The thorn had heard the word, but was choked out by these three things. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. But the good soil, as it says, Mark 4 verse 20, it says, But the ones that sown on good soil, those are those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. So Jesus says that those with a good soil are those who not only hear the word, but they accept it. And then because of that, they bear fruit. 
and we see this progression. We, the word comes in. We hear the word. We hear the sermon. We read the word of God. We hear all of these things. We feel prompted by the Holy Spirit. And then on top of that, we accept it or we apply it into our heart. And it's interesting that when we, when we accept it, when we fully allow it into our heart, that we bear fruit as a result of that. And this kind of idea is not just only found in this parable. This idea of hearing God's word, applying it to your heart, or accepting it in your heart, and then watching it bear fruit in your life. It's not just related to this parable. In Psalms 119, verse 11, David writes, even thousands of years before Jesus was coming on the scene, David writes, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What is he saying here? He's saying, I heard your word, but then I accepted it, applied it into my heart. And then what was the result of that? That I might not sin against you. The result of that was holiness. The result of that was victory over sin. And then again in Proverbs 4.23, we're instructed, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. He's saying your heart, whatever you accept, whatever you allow into your heart, is going to come out in other ways in your life. And we know this verse pretty well. We know Proverbs 4.23. We've maybe heard it before. Some translations say, guard your heart above all else. But do we, really, do we know the context preceding this? And if, if we read the verses leading up to Proverbs 4.23, we really see this progression of hearing the word, accepting it into our heart, and then watching the fruit come from it. This is Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 23. It says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all of their flesh. Did we catch that? He says, incline your ears to my sayings. That sounds a lot like hearing the word. Do not let them depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. That's like accepting them. For they are life to those who find them and health to all of their flesh. That's the fruit that comes as a result of that. And so, now the big question that, that remains to be asked is what does it mean to, one, hear the word, and then what does it mean to accept the word? Hearing the word is a crucial part. It's allowing the word of God, increasing your exposure to the word of God in your life, Right? But as we saw with the thorns and with the good soil, just hearing the word alone is not going to make the difference. But it's accepting it. And it's interesting, the, so the Bible was written in a different language other than English. It was written primarily in Greek. And sometimes when we look at certain words in the verses of the Bible in the Greek, and we look up the Greek definition of those words, sometimes it helps us fully understand what like Jesus or what the apostles were, were meaning when they wrote these verses. And so when you look back at the Greek word for accept, it was the same word that would have been used to welcome somebody into your home. And so the idea is that what Jesus is saying, he's saying those who hear the word, but then those who open up the door of their heart to that word. And then they, they let the word come into their house and they say, hey, why don't you stay here a while? Let me, let me get you some food. Let me get you some water. Like I'm going to make this word of God feel at home in my heart. And that is what Jesus is meaning by accepting the word of God. It's, it's by us fully meditating on the word of God that, that has been sown in our life, fully meditating on that word, and then watching that play out 
in our life. That's his promise, is those who hear the word and they accept it. They open up the door. They welcome this word in. They're not shunning him away. They're not turning him away. They're saying, come on in. Come on in. I want you to feel at home here. You'll fully accept it. You fully meditate on that word of God. And you'll watch it bear fruit in your life. And so at this time, we have a few special guests that are actually going to come up. And they're going to provide just a little bit of our a little bit of different perspective on specifically what it means to meditate on the word of God and then also just offer some thoughts about the rest of the parable of the sower. And so, Sydney and Pastor Merle, if you guys would come up and you want to give, want to give them a hand, this is going to be awesome. So, we're just going to have, facilitate a little bit of a conversation here as we kind of close out tonight. So, we want this to be as practical as possible for you guys. And so, so... The meditation is really the key that we're finding as the differentiation between those sown on the thorns and those sown on the good soil meditation. So, Pastor Merle, what is meditation? What does, like, is that just some, like, Eastern, like, fold your legs, kind of like, ooh, yeah, you know, that kind of meditation? Or, like, how, what, is, what is biblical meditation? What, is that, what does that look like? I would say it's spending time in uh, the Word of God and in prayer and in worship, you know, it's communion, it's fellowship. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, that, you know, you might want to ask, like, why does God even want us to bear fruit? Yeah. You know, well, he wants us to bear fruit to glorify him. That's to right. To be example to others. That's right. But I would say, like, meditating is spending a lot of time alone with God in the word because the word is the power of God unto salvation. Absolutely. So spending alone time, alone time in the Word, alone time in prayer. What, is, what does meditation look like for you, Sydney, or like any other thoughts that you have to tag along that? Yeah, along so that? Pastor Dwayne talks about this a lot. He's got a quote that I really like. Um, like meditation to a lot of different cultures means emptying your mind and just focusing on the moment or whatever. But biblical meditation is filling your mind with the word of God. It's wow. not emptying it and allowing something else to come in. It's filling it, actively putting the word of God in your mind. And like, uh, there's a verse in Deuteronomy that talks about um, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then right after that, God commands that we put the scriptures like on, bind it on our arms and put it on our forehead and teach it to your children and write it on the posts of your doors and all that kind of stuff. Like put the word before you, yeah. have it fill your mind, have it fill your life. Yeah. And, you know, we don't always have a ton of extra time to do that every single day, but that's where the Holy Spirit comes in and he is reminding of us of that constantly, you know, you can't really remind someone of something that's not already in your memory. Hmm. But so we're filling our minds with the word and then the Holy Spirit is coming in and remind us of that all day, every day and leading us and guiding us that way. No, that's so good. That's so good. Consistent like exposure, uh, like a practical step for just increased exposure to the word is like writing out Bible verses and putting them on your mirror, putting them on your fridge, putting them on like the the sun visor of your car. Like, just so that whenever you see them, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, I'm gonna hide my, God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. Or I remember, oh yeah, God says I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, no weapon formed against me could prosper. Like, you just, those little verses, even throughout your day, can make a huge difference. Yeah, for sure. 
Pastor Merrill, I know you were, you were talking about, so say there's somebody that's watching online and they're saying, man, like, I really do feel like I'm having either a hardness of heart or a stony heart, and I don't really know what's going to happen. Like, what should I expect, like, God to do? Um, or how would God maybe enter in and expose that and free me from that? Yeah, I think, you know, you have to look at the third kind of soil because, like, you could say it's, uh, it's a heart that's just crowded with too many other things. Wow. You know, not good priorities, too busy, um, you know, too many distractions, you know, just plain too busy, and it just chokes out the word. Yeah. But it, it's kind of amazing because I was reading this parable a few weeks ago myself. And, uh, you know, it's a very familiar parable. And I got to the end of the, and I was thinking to myself, you know, okay, like, God, you're the only one that can prepare this soil. Hmm. And, uh, you know, we cooperate with that. But I, I came up with thinking that, you know, God prepares the soil with rain and pain. You know, and there's a lot of verses that tell you that. You know, he disciplines you. He convicts you. You know, he gives you opportunities to understand that, you know, like he would even say the way of the transgressor is hard. Like, how's this going for you? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> see, it's like most people turn to God through the work of the Holy Spirit, through hunger, through desperation. And, you know, even we sing, we say, I need thee every hour. Yeah. You know, we need God. Yeah. And without God uh, working and, you know, but we have to, you know, it's like when he prepares the soil, you know, we all know he tills it up. And uh, it's like it opens the soil for oxygen to breathe. Yeah. And, you know, and that's kind of what God does. It takes the grace of God and it takes time for this to happen. When the word is planted, it isn't overnight. Yeah. You know, it needs to grow. And uh, that takes time and that takes meditation, like you're saying. So I could, I could go on. <laughs> no, yeah. No, that's really good. That's really good. And just noticing, I remember there's a guy I respect. He's a missionary. There's actually a missionary couple. They've traveled all over the world through a YWAM and different things like that. But one thing he says very frequently is if you are shaking, it's probably because you're holding on to something that was meant that God did not intend for you to hold on to. He says that God is in the business of shaking every idol and every other God that is not him. And if you are shaking, then it's probably because you're holding on to an idol or some other God that's not him. And th that's just, it reminded me of that when you're talking about God either brings rain or he brings pain, you know? You know, I thought of a verse when you were speaking in Romans, it says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems from trials, for we know that they're good for us. I don't like Micah. I don't like all these verses. <laughs> but, you know, no trial, no pressure, no need, you don't grow. Right. And he says, so that they help us learn to endure, and endurance develops strength of character us, and character strengthens our confident expectation of his salvation. That's right. That's good. He just keeps us dependent on him. That's right. That's so good. Any, so any closing thoughts? Um, Sydney, I think if you could even just talk on maybe, okay, we're talking about meditation. Just make it like really practical. Like what, what is a way that I could start even tomorrow to like, is it writing out verses? Is it, you know, saying them aloud? Like what, is, what are some of the things that are going to get God's word like in my heart? 
Well, I think those are both good options <laughs> okay. <laughs> to yeah. start with. I think it would depend on how you connect with God, like find that way where you connect with God that time of the day, um, how you do your devotions. Like, do you start with worship and then you go into the word and just prepare your heart to receive that? Or do you um, start with prayer and then go into the word? You know, it, it would depend on you, but totally. I think there's a lot of good options for that. I mean, the other thing that I would like to just touch on is if we extend that analogy a little bit I loved what you were saying about welcoming the word in yeah because if you just look at that analogy it the seed gets sown but it takes a minute for the plant to come up mm -hmm. something's happening underground the roots are starting to grow and it's starting to sprout underground but it takes a minute for it to come up a little bit yeah. so the meditation part, that's where it's going to start. That faith is going to grow even more and more and more exponentially. So talking about putting the word in your heart every day, it's got to be an everyday type of thing. Like your mind has got to be renewed every single day. Otherwise, the thorns are going to come in. You know, you're going to get those stones come in, but it's got to be an everyday thing. Yes. That's good. You know, it would say, you know, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They'll be filled. That's right. God, help us to be hungry. Yes. Help us to be hungry. That's so good. Well, thank you guys so much. This is amazing. That was so good. I love you guys. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. We can do it, guys. We can do it. And I think God is in the business of tilling up the soil of our hearts, and he's in the business of wanting, he wants our hearts to be good soil, probably even more than we want our hearts to be good soil, right? And it, I think it really does center on this, is the last question I want to leave us with and leave those watching online with is, what are we feeding? Like, what are we feeding? What are we welcoming in? Because like Sydney was saying, like, it's got to be an everyday thing with the word. And if we're feeding that word every day, then we're not feeding the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. And those things, because they, have, they lack our attention, they lack the nutrients of our attention, they're going to die out and the word of God is going to grow up. But if we, even if we sow a little bit, if we give a part of our attention to the word of God, but then camp over here on the cares of the world, the deceitfulness, the desire for other things, these things are going to grow as well. So it's like, when, what, what are we feeding? Where are we going? As we kind of close tonight, I just want everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. You know, we're talking about the word of God, the word of God. And in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the word of God. He is the word. And he came, and ultimately, he is the one that is knocking on the doors of our hearts for salvation. And if there's any of us who have not welcomed him into our heart, have not welcomed him into our life, we want to give you the opportunity to make that decision, whether you're watching online or whether you're in-house. Jesus came so that we would have life and have it abundantly. And he came to forgive us of our sins, the sins that we rightfully should have received a punishment for. He came to receive that from us. And I, I just want to communicate that the opportunity for salvation is available for you right now in this, in this room, right now as you're watching online. And so if that's you and you're saying, man, I really do want to step into fullness of relationship with Jesus. I have never really let Jesus into my heart, but I want to and I want to take this next step to let his word grow in my life. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you want to today, we want to give you that opportunity. On the count of three, if you're in-house, you can raise your hand. And if you're watching online, just simply type yes into the chat. So on the count of three, one, two, three three. That's you. 
You say, man, I want to turn away from my old life and I want to follow Jesus. I want to trust him. Thank you, Lord. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for those who are responding online. So amazing. Everyone just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I need you. I turn from my sin and I trust in your lordship. I submit my life to you, God. Holy Spirit, help me as I begin to walk in relationship with Jesus. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amazing. Thank you guys so much.